This is the Friday, March 31, 2023 version of the market analysis segment from Market to Market. Ted, Matt, hello. How's We're going to start, buddy? though, with Naomi. Which was the bigger movement on the market today at the end of the week? Stocks? I, acreage? Yeah, I really liked the stocks number that came out. Why? Because everything was a little bit lower than expectations. And if you look back at where they were a year ago at this time, corn, beans, and wheat are all lower than a year ago at this time. So that just tells us the reality that, uh, you know, those tight ending stocks are there, it's been there, nothing got fixed last summer, and then we're gonna be in full-blown weather markets this summer here in the United States, no matter when or what we get planted. So that's a friendly story, and I think that was really supportive to the market today. You talk about a number of factors playing into a market. I think last year you hit a lot of that. So we've got one taken care of then with lower stocks is what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Very much supportive. Ted, do you agree on the bigger market mover? Yeah, absolutely. Well, so you have to take planting intentions with a grain of salt. I mean, we intend to do things and whether we can do them or not, a lot of that is dictated from, by weather from here on out. And you look at the Northern Plains under multiple feet of snowpack and you wonder how those those corn acres are going to get planted. So I do think uh, the market will start talking very soon about a potential shift of that 92 million acres, part of that coming back into soybeans. And, and so that's going to still be a moving target until we're done with planting. But the stocks number, I think, is extremely interesting. Below expectations, what are we going to see the USDA do with that on the next WASDE report? How much will the carryover drop? And then also, when you really dig into the stocks report and see who has it, uh, on-farm stocks for soybeans aren't down all that much. It's the commercial, down 21%. So there's a lot of buying left to be done out there. Uh, so that's, that, I think, was one of the more interesting takeaways from that report. Matt, you said that just a couple of weeks ago when you were here about there's still a lot of buying to be done. Was there a surprise for you in stocks? Here's the thing, coming in, looking at basis and spreads, that's what uh, is going to make my mind up as far as what I think is going to happen as far as quarterly stocks go. Uh, the report actually made sense to me today, and the March report doesn't always make sense. Quite frankly, we'll come in with some sort of a surprise. Uh, today was not one of those days. It was it was nice to see. Uh, I think whenever you look at, for instance, uh, 92 million acres for corn, if you would have had a bearish stocks number, it wouldn't have been a very good day for the corn market by any means. But I'm, I'm with Ted. It's all about intentions, and whenever you throw what, 1.6 million acres more in North Dakota right now of all states, that's probably the least uh, of which I would say you're gonna get an acreage increase uh, to that magnitude. Whenever you look at all, all, all crops, but uh, bottom line for me is the report was friendly uh, based on stocks. Yeah. What's, what's carry out? I'm like, Ted, you're probably seeing the highest number for corn. You know, which is a nice thing to see because then your carry is gonna be lower for your new crop balance sheet and that, that's a good thing. So what do we do moving forward then with this information? Not, not the acres, the stocks. What does a producer do with this info? Well, it's going to be your cornerstone for the whole spring as far as having a nice seasonal rally from here. And so producers need to just be aware of that because as they get busier in the fields this spring, obviously those best marketing opportunities come when they are the most busy. But looking at what this report historically does, when you take the low price from today's report, and I look back at 15 years worth of information, take the low from today to whatever the spring high is and the summer high, the average rally is 95 cents. So corns historically has some opportunity there going forward. And 10 out of 15 years, this report is the spring low for the market until we get our seasonal rally. Soybeans have similar traits to it. 
The soybean rally has a tendency to be $1.73 going back the past 15 years from the low of this report to the late spring summer high. So there's opportunity there for guys to get caught up with cash sales, and that's what you need to do with the information. Well, Ted, I'm going to give you the first question that came in here from Ashley in North Dakota. The grain lady was asking, and it ties into what Naomi is saying, and she's asking, what's everyone's thoughts as to why China is choosing now to enter the U.S. market after sales were reported this week, given the current geopolitical climate? The reason I went after her question is, the Chinese always seem to know when to buy at a low. Given what Naomi just said, they must think that the low is in. First of all, hi, Ashley. Uh, yeah, no, second, yeah, Chinese can have different motivations for different things at different times. Uh, I think this is more sort of politically uh, motivated. Uh, you know, they're going over to Russia and Ukraine to try to, uh, or they have gone over to Russia and Ukraine to try to broker deals and things like that. We don't like that. But then here comes corn sales, and that makes things a little bit better. You also wonder when China will be ready to invade Taiwan. Uh, and, and you get the feeling that they want to own things, have as much stockpiles before they go in and do that. I think they're also looking at the late planting and that second season corn crop and down in Brazil and figuring there's a little bit of risk there. So we might as well get some coverage. Um, and again, I think they had been waiting for a bigger break in the market. We gave it to them. And then here comes that string, string of sales. So lots of, lots of things going on with that. But going back to that stocks report, a conversation that I think is going to come up here fairly soon is what happens if we start to see a much bigger influx of imports going to the eastern seaboard of soybeans, right? We might have maybe just seen one of the most bullish things that we're going to see in soybeans until we get to the weather market in earnest. I worry less about corn because of the weather and the snowpack that we have, but what if we do start adding a million, two million acres of soybeans, right? And then the stocks or the carry into next year doesn't really... Well, it's not as important. The other thing is we're not going to have the same export schedule for the second half of this marketing year because Brazil's second season or uh, Brazil's first season soybean crop last year, not great. This year, mm -hmm. biggest crop we've ever sure. seen. So there's a couple other dynamics that I think might be playing counter-seasonal this year. So just one of those. I, I, to further on that point is that we've already had awfully good prices, okay? And I, I, I know what the historics say, but... I mean, not exactly. You've got pretty good numbers yeah. there and pretty good data, and I'm glad that you do because that makes Ted and I look a little bit better. But I would say that whenever it gets right down to it, you've already had awfully strong prices, first of all. Today, my first thought, corn acres, highest we're going to see. Bean acres, lowest we're going to see. Yeah. I do think that you're going to be able to pick up some soybean acres. I think whenever you look at the way this is all put together, uh, you look at the Chinese and they, and they say, well, hold on a second. It looks like this might not be an early spring. Uh, if we are going to step in and buy some corn, it might be a decent time to do it. As far as the timing of when we heard about the purchases, they were bought before that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. The last time the three of us were together, though, uh, Paul, we were pretty bearish, all three of us. And markets fell quite a bit since then, but a lot has changed. You know, China comes in and buys 125 million bushels of corn, and I don't think that's maybe all that they're going to have purchased. And so, again, your balance sheet's going to look different in April. I think it's going to be interesting. And in May, we get the new numbers. There's a lot that's going to happen coming up. And if you push this planning window back, you know, four, five weeks, it's going to be really interesting. You have to stay to the end to find out if they're bullish or bearish. That's, that's you know, just stay with us on that. Let's go to another question, Naomi. Let's get to the acres discussion, because that's one that is always fun to talk about, but it's, as Ted said, just intentions. Uh, let's go AJ and Protovin, and he asked a couple, we had a couple of these questions. And the first one he's asking is, 4 million more acres of both corn and wheat and soybeans steady with 22. Where are the extra 8 million acres coming from? 
And I think it's what Ted responded on Twitter as far as uh, the thought is that right now we're not going to have a lot of prevent plant acres. And so if you don't have those prevent plant acres, those are where these acres are coming from. And they'll be double crop, of course, with the wheat and the beans. So that's where the acres come from. Now, as Ted already alluded to, the North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota are still just blanketed under snow and it is cold. Uh, talk to a client in South Dakota who is ice fishing. There's still 28 inches of ice on these lakes. So, I mean, there is a lot of thaw that has to happen and their forecast is not conducive for bringing spring on. So there will be some acreage shifts um, and there probably end up, you know, could be some prevent plant acres. I think about the drought in uh, the plains yet as far as like Kansas and parts of Texas and the wheat crop there is not doing well at all, uh, really still suffering. So that's going to be another thing to see is there going to be abandoned acres. So this is definitely a moving target, lots of opportunities for the farmers with prices going forward. Seasonally, corn, beans, and wheat all have a tendency to work higher from here. Ted, you responded on Twitter, but I'll give you a chance to extend the 140 characters. Yeah, I mean, we have intentions, and we don't always get to those intentions, right? Uh, weather is going to be the, the biggest determinant of acreage every single year. Uh, last year, we had some issues, right? So we didn't get to the intentions numbers. But if you look at the intentions numbers from today versus last year, it's not, we're not gaining acres, really. Um, yeah, I mean, high prices try to pull out as many acres as we can possibly get, but we're not seeing a huge increase in acres. It's just, we didn't get everything intended planted last year. It's probably gonna be the same thing this year. I mean, again, we'll see what happens over the course of the next two months in weather. And by the way, uh, I was just in South Dakota for a while earlier this week. Uh, it was negative 13 uh, one of the mornings when I woke up. Uh, and they're, they're expecting more snow. So that's a mess, and it will continue to be for a little while. Okay, give those in South Dakota, then on south through the wheat belt, something that they should be looking at and making decisions on either their winter crop or their spring crop. I think all the conversations that I was having this entire week with the same guys was that, you know, we need to really consider, are we going to be moving towards beans? And that's kind of unfortunate because I think a lot of guys wanted to try to add more corn here this spring because you look at input costs. You know, whoever booked input costs back in, in fall, October, you know, you paid a lot more than where they are now. So you figure, hey, you know... I like to average my prices in, right? I like to make my balance sheet look better. If I could buy more inputs cheaper and add to my corn acres and really average that price out, that puts me in a better position. But unfortunately, I don't think weather's gonna allow for that, at least in the area that we're talking about. That I think might actually happen in other areas though. One thing I'll point out uh, is that if you're a large-scale producer, if you can take your own cargo uh, you know, of anhydrous, tanker load of anhydrous, or be able to pick up fertilizer at the river, absolutely. But the problem is with a lot of these ag chem retailers is they're sitting on some really high-priced inventory. So a lot of the folks that I talk to, some of the folks that I actually work with, talking twelve to $1,300 anhydrous still, whereas the spot market's more like eight fifty to 900 And so I think that's going to play in, 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 in that couple things are going to have to happen. Either that we're going to have to have a wholesale change in the weather, or you're going to have to get a pretty nice size rally in the corn market to get someone to say, shoot, I'm going to go ahead and push the envelope, so to speak, maybe plant into less than ideal conditions uh, whenever I'm pushing corn acres. And that's a big reason. I think 92 could end up being uh, at least a million acres too high. I th again, it comes back to Mother Nature, uh, but the bottom line is uh, input costs are still high for most of your average producers. All right, who's going to feel the effect of that? It's always, it always ends up being the, the end consumer 
or the end uh, user of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think what one thing that you've got to to consider is let's say that you end up um, drawing acres down, maybe 90, 91, whatever it might be, and you start uh, paring back your balance sheet, if you will. So, you know, maybe you go back down to one and a quarter. And if that's the case and that's your carry-in, all of a sudden we've extended our chance to actually have decent profit margins in this corn situation again. And again, 45 days ago, the three of us were all in total agreement whenever we were in South Dakota. And, and to be honest, the market moved the way that we all thought it would move from then to now. But this is a different game we're playing today. And so it's not, uh, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's given us some life. I'm not saying we're going to rally through the roof. But see, everything we've talked about today is all supply. Quarter right. grain stocks and acreage, right? That's the supply side of the balance sheet. There is a demand side of the balance sheet, which we were all talking about. Right. That's still there. We do still have a fair amount of demand destruction. Look at corn exports over the last two years have dropped 900 million bushels. That's 33%, right? You've got ethanol where stocks are at the second peak uh, that uh, ethanol stocks are the second highest they've ever been. And that, that highest one was the same week that we were uh, selling crude oil at negative prices, or I guess buying crude oil, giving people money to take crude oil, <laughs> right? Uh, and so you've got ethanol that you're starting to worry about a little bit. And then feed, you've got just, you don't have the same animals out there, right? So high prices are the cure for high prices. We try to fix the supply side, but again, mother nature has a big play in that. But the demand side always kind of fixes itself. So that's the other thing that you got to keep in mind, too. Absolutely. That's part of why I said I don't think we're going to rally through the roof. I feel like we're extending our opportunity to make decent money again this year, potentially. But at the same time, you get a run back to six bucks or a little bit more on these corn, personally. I'll tell you what, I think you better be latching onto that thing yeah. with both fists. And I think that the producers are going to get that opportunity. I really feel that we're going to see that. And with soybean prices, 13 out of 15 years the November contract high will exceed what the high was during the month of March. And so our high was 1386 for those November beans. So I think you're going to see new crop beans get on up to 14, if not higher. I think that the, the, the threat of what's happening with Argentina with as small as their crop is, and now they're trying to do their peso program again and push it, um, with Ted's point of, you know, there's always that risk that we're going to be bringing in South American beans here. Uh, but Argentina also needs to be importing Brazil's soybeans. So there still is a lot of moving parts. Um, I feel that China is, is they're an opportun opportunistic, of course, as far as when they're buying. And I think that we're going to see them continue to be buying a little bit more wheat from us. I think we're going to see some more sorghum. I think we'll see a little bit more of a corn sale because they are weather watchers. They have the satellite imagery. They're keeping an eye on what's happening in Brazil. They're watching what's happening here in the United States. And so they do need to, um, I think, continue to import a little bit more because they did not have a perfect crop last year either. So again, for the producers watching, we have good news for you today. You're going to get one more shot to market this crop this spring when we see our high and you've got to be on the ball to hit it because it's not going to be there for too long. So Matt mentioned 45 days. What are the next 45? Is my, is my window in the next 45 days to hit what you're talking about? So most recently the highest for corn and beans, both for new crop prices, it's either um, mid-May to mid-June. That's usually it, those late summer peaks. That was kind of way before, you know, the uh, like ten, like a decade ago. So right now, the more of the seasonal highs come a little bit earlier because, again, we have got satellite imagery that helps us know what's happening and we're a little bit more abreast with the information as far as, it's, you know, at our fingertips with Twitter. We don't have to wait weeks to find out what happened. We have 
the news in front of us. So I'm, I'm thinking more of an earlier rally this year and an earlier high. Okay. Uh, which is interesting to think about, Ted, because I know wheat, uh, you talked about wheat, we've talked about corn, we've talked about soybeans, but I need to quickly, either you or Matt, explain this cotton rally to me and what that matters to what you're saying. Or Naomi, anybody well, can answer it, but explain to me why that is significant this week. We've lost week. a lot of acres, right? Yeah, we lost, uh, what, 20%, you know, from last year? I mean, it is a, it's a pretty big drop in acreage, and I think that's, that's your sole reason. I mean, who knows? Maybe you get a little bit of a rally, and, uh, you know, uh, somewhere in the world you plant a few more acres, but the thing is, you're running out of time in cotton country. I mean, right. these folks are... And, and you yeah. look, for instance, in, in, the, in the Delta, and the few folks that may plant uh, a little bit of cotton there, I mean, look at the weather there. Yeah. Hadn't been worth a darn, and that's a big reason or why West you're Texas seeing this, this or, thing rally. Mm -hmm. Really, yeah. yeah. It was so dry in, in West Texas, so. Which is also a livestock issue. Okay. Right. Let's move to live cattle for a minute, Ted. Uh, the, the weather is, the weather, the economy, I mentioned deflation off the top. PC does not include, they usually take out the, the food side of yep. things. What's the consumer's influence on this June cattle market right now? Well, absolutely. I mean, demand is, is, is a big portion of any market, right? But the demand seems to be there. Cash is on fire. It keeps going higher and higher. Packers' margins obviously have been good enough to sustain that. Uh, I think there's still more upside potential. We're buying beef. We're paying for the beef. We're not really slowing down our spending habits all that much, or at least not as much as the Fed wants us to. Uh, so, you know, we know there's less animals out there. We know that that supply will continue to shrink between now and the end of the third quarter, minimally. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I think there's new highs in store for the cattle market. We had a correction, and we needed a correction. Markets always need to correct. We went right down to the 100-day moving average, turned around, bounced off of it, and now we're sniffing out, looking for new highs. I, it's a it's a it's a good looking uh, mid maturity bull market. Man, yeah, how I mean, high? Yeah, well, I think that one hundred seventy five hundred eighty dollar fats uh, in this calendar year are something that we're going to see. You know, we, we we corrected, like Ted said, you correct. And, and the nice thing to see is, as a risk off event, a lot of commodities were correcting. Mm -hmm. It's something you would kind of expect in a healthy market has to correct. And so you go down there, you hit some support, and all of a sudden you make new highs, you know, in, in, your, in your nearby. And so I think moving forward, uh, you're, you're going to get into a very tight situation. Uh, some of these packers are really going to be hunting cattle. And I've got to think that it is a futures market. So some of these $175, uh, $80, as far as somewhere on the board, are going to probably happen sooner than what some people think. Yeah, and second quarter production for beef is supposed to be down like 200 million pounds from first quarter, and that does not happen that often. So, of course, we knew the lower production was coming, but um, it's, it still is a supportive story. And I'm friendly to the cattle market unless we start seeing the middle class see job cuts. Then I'm going to get bearish pretty darn quick. But right now, middle class, we haven't seen any job cuts there. It's been mostly West Coast with the tech industry. So that's something I'm watching for. Um, I do agree. One more push higher with this cattle complex. Um, then we'll, we'll start to see what the weather is here in the United States and how pasture conditions are and things like that, too. Feeders... Um, they keep going up. Yeah. How does that play into this? I mean, I, I get your job story. I totally do. Yeah. But it's pretty expensive to... Well, here's what I keep hearing from clients. They just keep saying, there ain't none out there. Yeah. Yeah. That is the exact words that I hear. So we saw the feeder market uh, this week, you know, take out some new highs. And, and 
until the the animals become available, it's it's just a story that continues to be supportive. I don't know what other you do you right. think that could be too. limited by corn prices if they continue to go higher here in the short That's to midterm. Right. It's possible, but I do think that a lot of these cattle folks are going to be go, wanting to go go ahead and sell and turn some of these uh, you know heifers. People talked about retained heifers. I think a lot of them are actually going to be uh, letting loose of them. I yeah. mean, they're worth a ton of money, and so yeah, it price. gets them an even better situation where they can heal up a little bit more. It's not often you can take advantage of a, of a rally like that so quickly. Oh, and absolutely. here it is, the opportunity is there. Absolutely. Hog market is there as well. Yeah, Hogs had a Hogs and Pigs report this week, and it was a neutral report um, with inventory, the numbers coming out at right at 100%. So not a lot of big news there. The thing with the hog market going forward, our exports have been actually down a little bit from years prior, and what we're going to be watching is our, our cash markets. That's going to be the driver going forward. I expect a lot of volatility. Uh, second quarter production for hogs is going to be down about 400 million pounds from first quarter. But we are seeing already the June summer contracts, they're already pricing that in. Mm -hmm. So I think hogs are going to be volatile, and it's going to be day-to-day -day headlines that make that market move. You get the final few seconds on dairy. It seems to rally in the weeks you're not here, fall in the <laughs> weeks you're here. Explain that one to me. What's going on? Uh, it's, it's had some friendly cheese news. So we've had stronger cash cheese, and that made the market go higher along with the California flooding. There were 70,000 um, head that had been displaced. So that got the milk market up to 20 bucks. Then we had cash markets kind of haul back for the cheese prices, and so that's what we had the market come back down lower. $18 is pretty good support. Milk production continues to increase every month, um, up 0.8% this last month. Plenty of milk in Wisconsin. We have, uh, we're doing just fine there, but out west is where the concern's gonna be. So I'm looking for more of a sideways pattern for milk right now, just cause we're kinda equally balanced between demand and what the milk supply is. Plenty of snow up there too. Yes. Yeah. It's Naomi Bloom, thank you so very much. Ted Seifred, thank you for your input. Matt Bennett, next time we'll let you talk a little more. How about that? Sounds good. You did good. All right, appreciate all three of you. Thank you so much. We're going to pause this analysis and continue our discussion about these markets in our Market Plus segment. Find those segments on our website at markettomarket.org. Both of these resources, though, are free. Our Facebook page is free as well, and it's another gathering place for our stories. And we also want you to contribute to the program. Give our page a like at Market to Market Show. Next week, we look at the advances in satellite data to determine weather stress. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great week.